0: I like, the way I like the way you teach it, not, not preachy. preachy. I like to listen up. I like the way you teach it, not preachy. I like to listen up. I like the way you teach it, not preachy. I like to listen up. I like the way you teach it, not preachy. You better listen up. welcome you guys to another episode of Say It With Me, Not Too Preachy, where you can be inspired and informed, uh, convicted, and comforted all from the Word of God. Just not too preachy. I'm your host of this time together. My name is Jason Brown, but if you've been here before, you can call me JB. If this is your first time, the next time you join us, that you can call me JB 2 I consider you a friend and one of the not-too-preachies. That's the name I've given those of us who are always here. You are a not too preachy person, I guess. I'm working on that. I'm working on that. If you have some ideas about that, then, you know, put it in the comments or uh, send me a message and I'll work on the, the name for you, for those of you who come all the time. Uh, but first-timers, great. Long-timers, glad to see you. Uh, if you haven't clicked share or let somebody know where you are, tag them in the comments. Uh, they ought to be here. And also update your notifications so that when I go live, then you will know that I go live and you won't miss it. But then you can also catch it on the replay or you can go catch it on the podcast uh, when I put the notification out that it's been posted. Let me give a few shout outs real quickly. All right. Uh, shout out to um, my friend, Adrian Jones. Today is her birthday. Uh, we used to work together at McCullough, and uh, she really helped me to um, get acclimated to Fort Bend ISD, and uh, was a really good coworker worker and uh, proved to be a really good friend. I want you all to go check her out. She also makes teas, and so it's called B's Wellness Teas, B-E-A, apostrophe S, B's Wellness Teas, makes good teas. I drink the one uh, that is uh, for the digestive system. Uh, she also has one that I like um, that's kind of a, a relaxer to you, kind of, you know, end of the night, uh, maybe kind of mellow you out and it maybe help me sleep a little bit, get to sleep a little bit faster and have a, a peaceful and a restful night's sleep. How many of you know there's a difference between sleeping and resting? And I like to rest and sleep at the same time if it's possible, right? But if you're like me, in many instances, your mind is racing. So um, it helps to have some kind of calming agent And that tea. is a really good tea. So well Wellness Tea, go check out Adrian Jones today. It's her birthday. She has a beautiful children, uh, a good guy for her husband, and she's doing great things. So, Adrian, happy birthday to you, CMC for life, all right? Um, To my brother, Pierre Cannings, his birthday was yesterday, Uh, and this guy and I met when I was doing youth ministry at Lily Grove, and uh, we're still friends, and we're still brothers, and we talk occasionally, and he's doing great things out at the Living Word Fellowship Church on the north side of town, and he has a a fantastic family, beautiful wife, beautiful kids. Man, happy birthday to you, even though it was yesterday, but I want to say here uh with the not too preachies. Happy birthday to Pierre. You get a chance, go follow his stuff. He preaches a good word. It's very practical. Uh especially if you're a young adult man, he has a great word. Uh you ought to go check him out. He's good with the stories. I'm not too good with the stories, but he's really good with the stories. Um I didn't I don't know if I said it last week. I don't I don't recall. But last week was National School Counselors Appreciation Week. So I hope that you did something special for your school counselor, especially if you have a great one. Um, like the people that I've worked with and the people uh, that I converse with on a regular basis in Fort Bend. So if I didn't say it last week, happy belated National School Counselors Week. I tell you why I'm working right now in Valley. They really took uh, great care of uh, myself and Danielle and Zoya. I uh, did a fantastic job and then even uh, had some great stuff that our district leaders, uh, Rachel and Carlette, set up to let people know uh, what it is that we do. We're more than just schedule makers, as a matter of fact we should be doing more counseling than we are making schedules. I put that out there. I believe that. Uh, We're trained uh, to be the mental health professional of the building. And, you know, one day I hope we get to doing that, especially in times like this where we have so many kids who are struggling, not only academically, but socially and emotionally due to the effects of COVID. You know, we have kids out there that already have um, emotional and mental issues, um, both diagnosed and not diagnosed. And when you have something like this going on, what it does, it, um, it makes a small thing a very big thing, um, and, and, and they need our support, and we need the time to be able to do so, uh, so our kids can make it through this as best as possible. So, happy belated National Counselor Association Week, it is still not too late to buy a counselor a lunch, and so I'll send over a gift card uh, from their favorite coffee shop, um, or some counselors like Total Wine, just throw that out there, 19 Crimes, Snoop, not too preachy. All right. (laughs) Uh, As promised uh, from last week, um, I'm going to move from I'm vexed uh, just for the month of February because we're going to highlight Black History Month. And so here we are, a moment in black history. I went to my children's room because I remember buying this book. Um, The name of this book is called What Color Is My World? The Lost History of African-American Inventors by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Raymond uh, Okay, I think this is a a really good book for uh, young people and young readers uh, to expose them uh, To black inventors uh, and black innovators and I wanted to share one with you now This book is written from the perspective of a young boy um, His name is Herbie has a twin sister named Ella And they are spending time with the neighborhood handyman who starts to give them history on the contribution of black inventors and Innovators, so what you're going to read here is what Herbie and his sister wrote in their journal about what the handyman, Mr. Maital told them about some of the black inventors and innovators. Tonight's highlighted person is Dr. Valerie L. Thomas. Her contribution, The Illusion Transmitter. These are the words of the fictional character Herbie. If there's one thing I've learned from listening to Mr. Meidol's stories about all these amazing inventors, is that most of them had a really hard time being taken seriously as scientists just because they were black. Now, imagine how much harder uh, harder it was if you were black and a woman. First, you'd have to overcome the whole race thing. You know, blacks aren't smart enough to compete with whites, blah, blah, blah. Then, you'd also have to put up with a whole bunch of crap about being a girl. You know, girls just aren't as smart as men, yada, yada, yada. That's what, doc, that's what makes Dr. Valerie L. Thomas so cool. She worked her way up to Associate chief, chief of the Space Science Data Operations Office at the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA, where she retired in 1995. In 1980, though, She received a patent for an illusion transmitter, which creates three-dimensional projections. Many believe this is the future of television and video games. Thanks to Dr. Thomas, one day geeks everywhere will be romping through their world of Warcraft realms as if their orcs were right in front of them. For the rest of us, doctors are also using her invention to create 3D images of the body to better diagnose patients. Here's some fast facts from the character Ella in this book. The first 3D movie shown to paying customers was in 1915. The audience wore red and green glasses that combined the two movie images, which had been shot two and a half inches apart. Back in the 1950s, most of the 3D movies were horror films, so they could show knives and stuff poking out at the audience. Dr. Valerie L. Thomas, the patent for the illusion transmitter. And I know many of our children... And even us are benefiting from the illusion transmitter and the technology that's grown from that because we watch stuff in 3D as well or even able to see some of the 3D images, even if you use your phone. And some of uh, the way the pictures can uh, be handled is being built off of um, stuff that has already happened before, particularly the illusion transmitter. So I think you ought to cop this book. uh, And I may actually come back from it next week because reading through it is a great way to talk to kids about black inventors and innovators. Uh, again, What Color Is My World? The Lost History of African American Inventors by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Raymond Obsterfield. All right, cop that. A moment in black history. <sighs> Speaking of, uh, of, of, of transmitters, lights, and that kind of stuff, you ever notice, I, I remember in college, uh, we used to try and do fancy stuff to our dorm room to make it look cool. Of course, you have different you know lights, that, that brighter room, and of course we know when we turn on light, darkness goes away, right? But what about in the dark? Is there something that can reveal what's unseen? Yeah, it's called a black light. Um, when I was in college, we would put these glow in the dark stars on the ceiling, so it looks all cool. And uh, I think I've even seen some kids doing this kind of stuff. I uh, mean, some kids have LED lights, but I've seen some kids that still have black lights in their rooms, and that th- kind of thing. Um, but what the black light does? It's in the dark. It reveals um, some of the hidden stuff like lint or dirt, you know, that kind of thing. I've known people to take a black light and, and run it uh, across hotel rooms to see if it's plain like they say it is or, or whatnot. I'm, I'm scared to do that because I'm scared of what I'll find. Uh, but there's something about light, whether it's a regular uh, yellow light bulb or white light or whatever it is, or even a black light that reveals what people can't see. And regular lights... Um, Darkness runs away. But when you shine a black light, when you turn on the black light, it reveals what can't be seen by just regular light or the naked eye. John chapter 8, Jesus proves to be the light of the world. Because at the end of this story, he actually says, I am the light of the world. Um, but in this situation, it's a very dark situation. So it almost seems like Jesus becomes the black light and reveals um, what's not seen and the natural place where they were. John chapter 8 is a very familiar story uh, for those of you who have read any part of the Bible or, or even use um, uh, certain words like, uh, you know, don't, you can't live in a glass house and throw stones, right? It's kind of where we get this from. In John chapter 8, uh, Jesus is teaching in the temple. And he did this pretty regularly, right? Not a very uh, popular thing for him to do, especially with um, the, the scribes, the writers, and the lawyers, and the Pharisees. Uh, the religious men of that time, uh, because they didn't feel like he had any authority to teach. But he's teaching in in the temple, nevertheless. And in the course of his teaching, in comes a crowd of religious men and lawyers, scribes and Pharisees. And they're bringing in a woman who has been caught in adultery. And the Bible says that they caught her in the very act of adultery. And when they come in and say, they say this, they say, Jesus, this woman has been caught in adultery. The very act of it. What should happen to this woman? Now, they were asking Jesus that because they're trying to, they're trying to trip him up. They're trying to see if he, since he has so much authority, does he know what they know? Does he know the law? Does he know how to interpret the law? Does he know um, how the law ought to be meted out? Right? Right? So Jesus kind of acts like he's not concerned. And the Bible says he stoops down and starts writing in the dirt, and writing in the ground. And I've heard some, you know, some preachers that are way more loftier than I kind of have an idea of what he may have been writing. But I'm not sure what he was writing. Uh, But it almost seemed like he didn't care. And so the question that's on the floor tonight is, does Jesus care about the law? Does Jesus care about the law? Because they bring in... Somebody who has broken the law and asked Jesus what should be done according to the law, right? But again, it's there to trip him up. There's already a problem with that, right? Because lawfully, they can stone her. That's what they brought her in there to do. They were going to stone her. Um, Lawfully, they could end her life, right? The problem with that is they know that they can do that, but that's not the whole law. How many of you have heard that situation where, you know, you only hear part of the law? You only hear part of the truth. Because when you go and research the law that they're talking about, because Moses said that she ought to be stoned, that's what they said. They're Moses and his writings in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Moses said that she ought to be stoned because she's caught in adultery, but that's not the whole of the law. Because the law actually approaches the man first. That if a man is caught um, in an adulterous act, then both he and the woman ought to be stoned. That's what it says in Leviticus. That's what it says in Deuteronomy. But they only brought the woman. And Jesus seems like he's unconcerned. So now they start to badger him. This, I can imagine this could be a hostile uh, situation, a, a, a very volatile situation. Because it's, it, it, you would seem that it's a catch-22 for Jesus. Because if Jesus says, uh, let her go. Now, he's violating the law. Right? Uh, if, if Jesus says stone her, that he's violating the law because he should say, "Well, go get the man too," right? And we often talk about this when we talk about this, story, like where was the man? I'm curious. I wonder if he was in the crowd. I'm curious how did they how did they see that she was caught in the very act? Were they warriors? Were they looking in? How did how did they how did they come across this information? In any event, that's not the most important part of the text. It's the fact that by law, they had the right partially. To stone her to death. And Jesus' response. Is so critical in this moment. So he's on the ground. Kind of drawn drawn in the dirt. and, And he says to them. He who is without sin. Let him cast the first stone. They're living in a glass house. And Jesus revealed that to them. Right? And so their response to Jesus' response, because <laughs> it's 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 so clever, sure, go ahead and do it if you're perfect. That's what he said. If you're if you're perfect, you have no sin in your life, start throwing stones. You have my permission to execute this woman for those of you who are perfect, for anybody perfect in this crowd, start throwing stones. Go for it. Execute this lady. You have my permission to be judged during execution in this spot. By law, go for it. Right? And um you know, what happens next is these men start to walk away and they leave their stones in the temple. They just start dropping start dropping stones. And Jesus goes back, seemingly unconcerned with what just happened. And he's just kind of drawn in the dirt again. And the woman is still standing there. And so then he turns his attention to the woman and asks her, where are your accusers? Where, where, where are the stone holders? Where are your stone throwers? Where are the men that drug you out to expose you? When in actuality, Jesus exposed them. I'm going to come back to that in a second. He says, they're not there. He says, well, I don't condemn you either. So um, go and sin no more. That's what Jesus says. And then he goes and says, I'm the light of the world. I, I, I want you to take, let's take a look. At the response of Jesus to the accusers. Because I I want want to look at it in a particular way. That um, Jesus wasn't really hard on them necessarily. But what he did was shine a black light on them. They, They didn't know. That that's the kind of answer that he was going to give. And so in guilt of their own sin, they had to walk away because Jesus was right. Now, some commentaries would say uh, that Jesus was suggesting that Let he who was without the sin of adultery cast the first stone. So that that may or may not be true. Some say that's true. Some say that's not. But the truth of the matter is nobody in that place could have thrown a stone because everybody is sinful, shining the black light. It was a de-escalation move. It, it was the fact that uh, it could have ended in death, and it didn't. I'm fixing to go somewhere. And so he turned to the lady. You, you, you don't, don't do it anymore. You have another opportunity. Here's what mercy looks like, that you have another opportunity. You actually get to stay alive to go get it right. Right? You get, you get an opportunity. Alton Sterling. Breonna Taylor. Michael Brown. Eric Garner. These are just a few. All people who were executed. And because it seemed like the lawful thing to do because the fact that the police officers that executed these people are not indicted, not serving any time, would suggest that what they did was lawful. The problem that I have with that in situations like this is why does it always have to end in death? Let's, let's say for instance that Eric Garner or Michael Brown, Breonna Taylor or Alton Sterling in the moment were doing something unlawful. Why can't they get their day in court? Why, we know how to, it is clear there, we know, I'm, I'm trying, it is clear we know how to de escalate. We saw that in the insurrection. And we know how to de escalate. There is training for that. But I don't understand why it has to end in death. And then, for those of us who call ourselves Christians that look like me and don't look like me, that there's no uproar. That somebody could have shown mercy in that moment. That something could have been done differently. Just because the law says it's okay doesn't mean you have to do it. Paul teaches that all things are lawful but not everything is expedient. Why does it have to end up in death? Just because you have the right to do it does not mean it has to be done that way. Where is your de-escalation training? Maybe you're not a Christian and don't know how to handle like Jesus would. To give somebody an opportunity that if they did do something wrong, to get it right. That's what we have a justice system for. Does Jesus care about the law? Absolutely. He cares so much about adultery. This is what he said about adultery. I'm changing challenges, but just stick with me because I'm I'm, I'm fighting with this text and I'm fighting with what's going on right now. That the adultery situation for Jesus is so deep. He said that even if a man thinks about a woman like that, you've already committed it. So then should that man be executed? and treat it like they were trying to treat that woman, then according to the law, absolutely, but you don't have to kill them. Jesus died for us, so we'd have an opportunity to get it right. Let me talk to you perfect people out there who are assassinating characters, who are murdering people with your words and with your mess, when you find out that somebody has fallen and you take their name and you drag it through the street. You living in a glass house, and Jesus has a habit of shining the black light for, so that the stuff that nobody sees will be seen. The good thing is He did it to them where they could walk away. Now they walked away from repentance. They could have—I wonder if they would have stayed and said, "You know what, Jesus, I'm right. That was there's a better way to handle that. I'm sorry." But they walked away in that moment from repentance and guilt and could have walked away forgiven. The lady who actually got caught doing wrong. Men didn't get caught, the ones that had the stone, but the lady that got caught got another chance because she stuck around. And maybe she didn't have nowhere else to go. She's already going to be spoken ill of and outcast and possibly mistreated, but she walked away forgiven. And the men walked away in shame. Let me talk to you, you perfect people out there. can't throw stones. I've seen it inside the church. I've seen it outside the church. Where instead of restoration, there's amputation. Where we don't take moment to put church discipline in place the way it's supposed to be done. To help that young lady or that young man that's struggling with sin. Whatever that sin is. And we amputate. Instead of restoring. And, and I gather sometimes... And that may be some of the reason why some people don't darken the doors of a church. Yeah, I'm in my feelings today. Because Jesus shows us a better way. Let me talk to you who's struggling with whatever that sin is. You stick around Jesus. He offers restoration. He offers forgiveness. He offers another opportunity. If you just stick around him, don't walk away in your guilt and your shame. Stick with him. Hang around. Spend some time. Jesus offers the alternate ending. What they intended to do did not happen. You you ever ever watch the movie, uh, especially when we were really watching DVDs, and if you get to the end, like to the credits and that kind of stuff, there's an alternate ending. Like, Jesus offers an alternate ending. The way that we thought it was going to go is not the way that it went. And Jesus... Is the factor. That if we take our mistakes and missteps and spend time in his presence with that mistake, having been revealed to everybody, guess what? He still offers restoration. Let me talk to you, person that's struggling. You're not alone. Because everybody that had rocks was struggling with something. The people that he was teaching in the temple that were witness to this We're struggling with something. That's why Jesus is so important. Because he takes all of our sins and all of our griefs and he nailed them to the cross. The Lord takes our sins and he casts them in a place where we can't cast them in the sea of forgetfulness. Can you imagine that? That God won't bring it up, but we keep bringing it up. hardest person to forgive is yourself. He offers an alternate ending. Does he care about the law? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean you've got to die. Same two words from last week. He cares. Now, I want to do something here that I, that I haven't done. And I'm going to start doing this. And I, I feel, uh, 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 I guess, guilty of the word for not doing this. But uh, before we uh, close out, what I want to do for you is is pray That's okay. Um, Father God, thank you for offering the ultimate ending. That whether we're the accuser or whether we are the one that's being exposed, that a true encounter with you can cause us to walk away differently. I'm asking God that those who are listening and those who are watching will choose to spend time with you before they leave and go back to regular life and take the repentance, that alternate ending that you offer. And accepting the fact that whatever our mistake is, that you've nailed it to the cross. For the police officers, God, that are desperately trying to do it right in such a volatile space, I'm asking God that you would give them a spirit of calm so they can give the alternate endings. And at the same time, God, I'm asking for justice, whatever that looks like in your eyes. I know what I want and I know what some of us want, but ultimately we want your will to be done because whatever you choose to do will be right. And just help us, God, to accept the results that you allow and that you are God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Glad for y'all to be here tonight. Uh, remember, um, turn on your notification settings uh, so that when I go live, then you go live with me, and you will know that I'm there, so you won't forget, um, so you can be in the live. Right? Um, also, go to YouTube, subscribe. Go to your podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, the YouTube is motivated by JB. Uh, go to your podcast. It is called Not Too Preachy. And, um, Uh, Subscribe to whatever, uh, subscribe to um, the podcast, whatever method you use uh, to listen to your podcast. Uh, My God-given desire is to help kids and to support and develop kids and also to develop those who are serving kids as well. So I'm here for that, whether it be uh, speaking or whether it be training. But I want to highlight the fact that I also do coaching. I do coaching for adults and I also do coaching um, for young people. And so if you're looking for that kind of service, I'm available. Um, you can go to my website, www.4142.com and it's spelled out 4142 and you can message me from there or you can hit me in Facebook or Instagram, or if you got my number, give me a call and we can talk about it and set up some time so that I can help you or your children grow and develop. All right. Until next time, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. And again, take some time to learn some black history. Our contributions to this nation and world are phenomenal. I love you guys. Peace.